So I want to welcome everyone. Thank you, Jamie and Jedediah, for participation. Thank you, Sam, for the pictures. Janine, Alicia, everybody. Everyone is, is very important to the church, especially um, when we're a small church. Every single person is extremely important. I would like to start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your blessings. And as we begin learning and listening and seeing what you have for us, may your Holy Spirit translate and filter and help us to understand the message that you have for us this morning. Amen. Okay, today I want everyone's participation. So if you don't have a Bible, please um, get one. And for my, my scribe, this is something in the last minute because um, so I haven't have explained to my scribe, Dan, how we're going to be putting things in the board. But what we're going to be doing is um, Colossians. I'm going to read it again because can we, dis- can we be deceived? And that's the main question. And Jesus brought it in, in the New Testament several times, especially in the end time. We can be deceived very easily. And personally, I thought, well, you know, if, we, if I know the stuff, if I know this, if, I've been not, if I, I know that, you know, how, how can I be deceived? Very easily. We can all be deceived very, very easily. And it's one of the things that I have learned is, is to be deceived is one of the most easiest things that a, a person can, can go through. So what we're going to be doing, um, I'm going to ask my scribe to, we're going to make a comparison what heaven or God is and what Satan or the world is and how each one is so opposite to each other. And we're going to be um, going, beginning from Genesis 1, we're going to make a comparison of what God's saying and what the world is saying. And um, to see how much we can cover. There are some topics or some concepts we're going to bring about, and I will need help for you to find the Bible text where that is found. So then you will write a word, and then where it's found, and then what the world is saying or preach or convince or culture or we grew up believing. And Colossians 2.8 is a very appropriate for, for this message today. And I'm going to read it again. It said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So hopefully today we're going to make the comparison between God and the world and see how, how can we be deceived so easily in things. So I'm going to start with Genesis 1.1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first thing that the Bible is telling us, that God is a creator. So is my scribe would like to put here number one on the section of God is the creator. What did the world said about this world? 
It came out of nowhere. Evolution, evolve. We can put evolution or any other word that is similar to it, that we evolve from nothing or we are evolving from the monkeys or, you know, there's all kind of theories out there. So the first thing, we start with creation and then the world tells you, no, it was a big bang. Number two, what else can we... What else did the Bible says in Genesis? Just continuing in Genesis 1. God created male and female at the image of God. So on number two, we are the image of God. And number three, we are male and female. So let's see on the image of God, what have the world or Satan have done to destroy that image of God in us? The, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> a large, there's no genders anymore in the world. There's all kind, you know, if you feel like if you relate to um, that you're a man, then you're considered a man. If you relate, no, I feel like an, um, whatever, then that's whatever. And I say, oh, I like that game. So, well, I, I, and then I, I can say, well, I relate to, I'm, I'm 20 years old. And I'm very young, but then somehow the, my body said, no, girl, you're not 20. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's amazing how the thing that we grow and we are accustomed to, to see, it becomes nature for us. And to the point that whoever wants to be whatever, they can be. And also for the image of God, what has the world done with our face, our bodies? They have tattooing. They have put all kind of stuff in their faces. They have, um, there are some individuals that go to the extreme to have a lot of surgical procedures to look like an animal, to look like different things. So the, the world is working very hard to remove the gender because God created male and female and also the image of God in us in destroying the way we look and imitate other things. What other things that the Bible says in Genesis 1? Moving along on, on what God has given us. It was the day of rest. A day of rest. Number three is the Sabbath. God gave us the day of rest. It's very important. So what is the world is saying? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Any day. Any day, as long as you worship God, it's good. They actually care for any day but Saturday. Any day but Saturday. What a coincidence, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's incredible. So if God says, no, it's Sabbath day, it's a holy day, then the world said, no, it's, it's not important. And um, which verse do we find the um, this seventh day of creation? It will be Genesis, um, Genesis 2, 2. 2, 3. Two, 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 three. All right. And um, also on the day of rest, God has given us the, the opportunity to have at least one day to bring a relationship with God. 
So on that day, we have the relational part. And how did the word world have distorted that relationship with God? Again, number four could be a relationship with God. How the world have distorted that relationship or the view of God on that relationship? You can do whatever you want. Okay. You're not hurting anybody. All right. What about um, what are the things that Satan have done or the world have done in in the church or in anywhere in regard to where are we focusing on instead of relationship? Well, there's that. Pantheism. Pantheism. Everywhere. God is saying. Pantheism. Pantheism. Okay. 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 Good. So the relationship, instead of having that relationship with God, then the world have moved that relationship to a third person or a third thing. The earth. Exactly, exactly. And this is just in the first chapter. Does anybody want to add something else? Okay. We are our own God. Good point. It's a very lonely and within the same, you know, God tells us, without me, there's nothing you can do. But the world is telling you, you can do whatever you want, and you have the power to be and do whatever. Another good point. Uh, point number five. He said, God said, if you sin, you'll die. What is the world saying right now? Sin not die. We believe that after you die, the world believed that when you die, what happened? You transform. You transform. You can be a ghost. You can be, uh, you're still alive, uh, somehow. You, you, some of them believe that you're returning an animal. Some of them believe that you remain who knows for how long in the purgatory. Some of the things, other religions believe that your soul remains in somewhere, somewhere um, to give an opportunity to, do clo- to have closure. I mean, they, they can become very creative. Yeah, and the soul never dies. Exactly. God created plants with seeds, and um, coming from a family of agricultures, and now it's very hard for them to get a seed to plant because from one seed they come up. They take ten plants. But that plant, the seeds that come out of that plant, it doesn't grow. No. So it's like a, a GMO 
Mm, okay. So God created plants with seeds. And now humans are creating 10 seeds out of one seed. Okay, they do a lot of amalgamations or, yeah. or changing. So number six would be God gave us something to eat. Yeah. He created the plants so it will be food for us and um, the seeds that will multiply and, and <clears throat> so it will be a feed for us. But then the world have done two major things. Number one, they have changed the seeds. And they have joined with the DNA of animals or, or DNA of all the plants to make it more strong or whatever their agenda is. And also, um, and now when you buy seeds, they don't grow. Or yeah. when you have the plant and you want to take those seeds to plant them as God intended so you, can, so you don't spend too much money on food, those seeds are dead are dead, so we can no longer, we have to depend on the companies for food. And also, the other thing that the world have worked very hard on our food supply or, or forces is that in, in the church, and I tell you because personally, um, we grew up in the world thinking that, you know, my entire childhood, even adulthood, we grew up eating food that we cook. We cook. We cook everything. And a lot of um, nutritional saying, nutritionists saying, oh, you have to cook this because if not, it's going to harm you. Or you cannot eat this raw because it's going to harm yeah. you. And all this fear that the world puts in people about eating the food that God has given us the way it was intended. And I never knew that the food should be eaten raw. I mean, God gave us a lot of flexibility on it. But um, one thing I have noticed and I have learned in the last 30 years of my life is that, yes, the food, when you cook it, if you eat it well, it will give you, you know, health and it will give you a lot of things. But when you eat it in the way God intended and with faith and eat it, it will repair. It will do a lot of repairs that the cooked food will not do. And that I experienced that personally and a lot of people are experiencing that, which is amazing. Okay, so we have the creator. Um, on food, we also eat a lot of animals now. And that was not the way to And that was not a farm. Okay, I, thank you. God intended plant-based, but Satan brought food. I mean, animals. And one thing is, personally, I, I think, if you like to eat meat, okay, it's not a sin, per se. But the way the animals are being treated to have that meat available in the market is horrible. It's horrible, horrible. And, um, and that's, what, that's mainly my own, my own personal way of, of dealing with this is I will not be a participant of that type of that, uh, that type of, of the world way of providing the food. Um, so we can be deceived when you go in, in, in the supermarket. You can be deceived of all this food that are out there. But if you start looking at the ingredients and, and the picture looks great, 
it looks healthy, it looks good for you, but if you sit down and take time to look at the ingredients, you have been deceived very easily on the thing that you put into your body. And, and probably more than ever, I mean, I think the Adventist Church, you know, with the health message, has had a lot of counsel about food for you know, over a century, but probably in the last 20 years, it's like mainstream science has kind of vindicated all of that. Like, a hundred years ago, people thought that was a crazy thing to say for health, or scientifically. Um, I think that's something validated recently. I mean, I think the weight of evidence in the scientific community is pretty clear that plants are the healthiest food. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that um, Genesis brings us, I guess my scribe left. I, think that, I don't think he feels good. Does anybody have a good handwriting? No, Okay, on number seven, God gave us um, some plans as a medicine. Mm-hmm. And we as a Seventh-day Adventist, and I'm including myself in it, I'm the first one to be included, I never, you know, the world makes sure that we didn't know anything about it, and, um, and I still don't even know which plant can be used, and I'm not saying that medicine is bad. It has a place. Surgery has a place. Medicine has a place that cannot be changed. But for minor stuff, like for headaches and pains, and and for minor things, God has given us medicinal plants that we have lost the ability to use for the daily day ailments that this world brings us that we need to... You know, we have been deceived in a, in a sense that if you have a headache, you need to take aspirin. We don't want to take care of ourselves. We want to eat whatever we want. Oh, I get a headache, I'll take a pill. A pill, a pill, a pill. And, and the pill has a place. But in the regular environment and in the daily, daily life, there is a lot of things that you can use and plant-based that will not have any side effects and it will help you as good or better because that's how God brought us the plants for medicinal in our, in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Somehow I lost my Bible. Can I give one illustration? Please, please, Bible? yes. Um, I think a really good example of this is, I don't know if anyone here has migraines, but um, ginger is exceedingly effective at treating migraines. Um, so they've done studies, they've done prospective randomized studies on uh, taking 250 milligrams of ginger versus sumatriptan, the drug. Um, it works as well, if not better. It has less side effects. Yeah. The problem is it doesn't cost much. And so you'll There's no money. <laughs> There's no money in it. Yeah, so I mean, I tell patients all the time they try it, and we have evidence, like scientific evidence, to prove that it works. But that's probably news to anybody with a migraine. It yeah, ginger. Good migraines. Exactly, exactly. So right now, we might not have been deceived on creation or the male, female, or the Sabbath. But probably in our life, we have been deceived on the relationship. The whole Bible is about the relationship. And sometimes we put our focus somewhere else on do's and don'ts, and instead of that relationship. 
And when it comes to sin, you know, even in our corporate church, there have been churches divided right now thinking of the immortality of the soul. That when you die, your soul never dies. And that is not what God said. Or some other people said, no, you can do whatever you want. God will save you anyway. No. It's like, if you sin, the, you die. So that means that if you sin, that's a consequence. And when the world is telling you, oh, no, you don't have to worry about it. Just you know, ask for forgiveness, and God will save everyone. One save, always save. Or, you know, there's, they, they can, you know, Satan and the world can be very creative in how to tell people things against the Bible and the food and the plants. I mean, we can go on a lot. What about the moving, moving along a little bit more into Abraham and all this, this um, patriarchs. One of the things that God was very strong was family. You know, when you look at the Old Testament, the families remain together and the children and their children, children and their family remain together as a clan and they help each other to to grow because to i don't know about you guys but to to um, take care of kids you need the whole at least 20 people to to work the whole tribe to 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 deal with kids with children and and god knew that so god created the family unit not only in men and wife but also as a as a clan so they can help each other. And what have the world have done when it comes to the family unit as a whole? Not individual, but as a whole. What have the world have done? Divided. Each family is on their own. When you get married. Even now with the pandemic, if, you, if there's families who are divided because if you're not vaccinated, you can't come to my house. Yeah. Or if you're vaccinated, you cannot come to my house. So even that, the devil is using the the COVID and mm-hmm. government and all that stuff to divide the to church. Divide. To divide the family. To divide the church, to divide the families, yes. to separate them, yes. to eliminate sociability, yeah. to... Um, yes. I... I don't remember who did it, but when the United States government decided they would help out the poor families, specifically the black families, they decided to give them money, but the requirement was that there couldn't be a complete family, there couldn't be a man in the house. So the men started just leaving their families so that the mothers and the kids could get free money oh, from wow. the government. And it's been like that ever since. The government doesn't like a family unit. Mm-hmm. They only will help out if, if there's somebody missing. Yeah. yeah. And that's not what God really wants. He wants a family unity showing love among all the, the members. Yeah. yeah. So we have the family unit as a marriage. God created a marriage. And what did the world did? You don't need to be married. On the family unit, he created both parents with children. What have the world done? They have broken. You don't, you, don't, you don't need to have a husband. You don't need to have a wife. Um, uh, as, a, as a family, per se, as a clan, to help each other. What happened in the world when the grandparents tell 
the children or the grandkids do this and do not that or what happened? Oh, no, no, no. Only my father, my mom can tell me this. There's no, no respect or there's no cohesionness of between children, parents, grandparents, grandkids. They should be all at one and all each other should be helping each other. But no, the world has separated them. They know I am the only one that can teach my kids. Mm-hmm. Don't get involved. Um, it was interesting because when I was with my, uh, with our daughter last two weeks, we were talking about my brother was there and my sister-in-law was there and we were eating. And there, I don't know how the topic en- 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 entered that parents spanking the kids or, or hitting them or whatnot. And, I, and I, I was thinking, did I ever spank my children? And then Leilani said, no, you never spanked us, ever. The, but my, my grandmother did. <laughs> yes. My grandmother did, and I didn't know that. And that oh, okay. Um, so, and then I told, and I told her. My mother did? My mother. And that's, that's the old school. Yeah, that was yeah. fine. And then I said, did you deserve it? That was my first thing. Did Never. you deserve it? And they said, yeah, okay, then we're good. <laughs> then we're good. So it's, it's like um, we need each other. And also bringing the family unit, let's bring that one to the church. The church is a family. And we're supposed to be helping each other. And if, if I'm doing something wrong and you see that I'm doing something wrong, you know, with, with uh, love, uh, Christian love, Take me aside, because the Bible tells you, you know, take you aside, talk to the person, and try to help each other. But what was happening in the world? What in, the, in our church? People get offended. You cannot t- say anything to anybody. So if, if you can see on the, on the family unit, not only individually, but in the church, the devil have done a lot of damage. And we think that that's the way it is. But that's very deceitful, because that is not God's plan. Okay, moving along, what else in the Old Testament? Now let's, let's start jumping. Um, what else do we find that the world have changed? Angela, yes. Also on the family and the Old Testament, um, it makes me think of keeping promises. Keeping promises? Um, like I think marriage is a perfect example of keeping your promise, but there's many other ways that applies. In the Old Testament, you had to keep your word. I mean, it was an like if you didn't, if you made a promise and you didn't keep it, there were major consequences, and you were basically. Um, Your word was law. Yeah. If you and make a, com- a contract. It's not. I try my best. Now, now it's like, eh, whatever. A promise it doesn't have a, word doesn't have any value, and that is something very very sad. Um, And, and also when you make a contract, before it was a handshake. Now it has to be like a, a 30, 50-page contract yeah. <laughs> and on something. I mean, it's like, wow. So there's a lot of things that the world have um, deceived us in a way that, oh, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And no, it's not. It's not. All right, so what else that the Bible, what other principles that God has given us that the world have taken away or changed? 
Well, talking about the um, promises in um, Genesis or Exodus 19, when it says the Israel people said, everything that God tells us to do, we'll do. Right? Um, now we have our, the commandments. We have the Ten Commandments. If people, the devil just wants us to believe that, yeah, they're there, but you don't really have to follow them as long as you try mm. and you do your best and you do good to everybody and you don't harm anybody. So yeah. I think uh, that'll be like God give us the commandments mm-hmm. to follow. Mm-hmm. And it's not an option yeah. to modify for us. So number nine, God gave us the Ten Commandments. Actually, he has to spell it out. Oh, yeah. Because originally only, it was only two. But then as the scene and people got perverted, then God has to increase more information yeah. to clarify and to clarify. And one of the things that you can see, and it doesn't take that much, because if you read in Exodus, the Ten Commandments, and then... Later on, when Moses repeated the Ten Commandments, he adds a lot of stuff yes. to it. That yeah. means that within those, I don't know, years that happens, people have forgotten the whole meaning of the Ten Commandments. So as, they, as the decades goes by, that God needs to bring more. That's why we have a Bible with 66 books, because he needs to spell out everything in different ways so people will get it, because we have lost the whole meaning of those Ten Commandments. So God, God says, I am the only God. Don't have any other God before me. What does the world have done? Change the commandments. I mean, Change it? What else? Yeah. Exactly. And then he's... The Ten Commandments in a way that fits my life. Whatever fits. Okay, that... First commandment, we're going to make two of, the, of this and then remove this one and bring this one in and fix this one. Yeah. yeah. And we think that, oh, well, that's the way it is. And um, we don't have to, there's nothing wrong with breaking one of the Ten Commandments. It's not a big deal. God will forgive me. But that's not what the Bible says. Yes. Well, some people teach the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross when Jesus died. Yes. Which is an error. Because our sins were nailed to the cross. There's a difference. And then some people believe, well, just the Ten Commandments were done away with. It's the old covenant. The new covenant is Jesus obeyed the Ten Commandments for me, so I don't have to. Oh, and he actually added to when he said, Satan's 
Like, if that were true, it would be immortalizing sin. And like, if sin didn't equal death, then sin would be immortal. Because you could sin and live forever. And that would be an awful thing. And it's almost like, we want heaven, <laughs> but we want sin to be immortal because we don't want to change, in a sense. And the reality is, when you sin, you die. And that is the way the universe runs. Thank goodness that's the way the universe runs. Otherwise, sin would last forever. No. And so I think all of this enmity against God's law, and us believing it, especially as Christians, is really a breach of rationality. I'm just going to say that. Like, we want heaven, we want perfection, we want everybody else to be good, we want ourselves to be able to stay the same. And that's not the way it works. It's not, it's not thinking rationally. Yeah. It's like just trying to create an artificial existence that wouldn't work. Totally, totally. All right. So going number, I mean, we can talk more about it, but let's move on. So my time is almost done. Number 10, on the Old Testament, one of the things that God told his people to do. Um, and um, on, on diseases. What are the stuff that God told his people to do when someone had um, a bad disease like leprosy or, or tuberculosis. I mean, they didn't have tuberculosis in their day, but on, on that not name. But what are, in Leviticus, what are the stuff that when there is a disease, we should do? Go to the priest and have them verify what we have. No, 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 but while you're sick. But if someone has diagnosed with well, leprosy, what were the steps? What is it that God told the Israelites they had to, go to, to the do? For the determine what they had and then and they after that? Isolated. Isolation, that's number one. Isolation, what else? Hmm? Cleanliness, washing hands, maintain the distance. So that is the step that the, the God gave us to deal with infectious diseases, especially the, the bad one, like leprosy, which in those days didn't have any treatment. So what had the world done? Not, only, not, not right now, but in the past. What had the world have done to take all this differently? That we, we take it as, oh, that's the norm. That's the, the new thing. Or not that, Back when, before 2020, it's a, it's a different story. But before that, what had the world have done to change the stuff that God has told us to do to protect ourselves? Any ideas? Pop pill? Hmm? Pills? What else? Drugs for everything. Instead of isolation or cleanliness or the things that God would have to do, people are just popping pills and okay. running to the doctor, popping the pills, and then they have more pills because they have, you know, side effects from the first one. So okay. I've mean, <laughs> watched it, I don't do it that much. Mm-hmm. One, one, you know, I want to bring something good about what the world have done in the past on diseases is that they have um, done a lot of um, advertisement on washing your hands. Washing hands is very important, especially when you go out and the hands touch everything. So the government have done good in the past on maintaining the... Um, the washing hands and 
if you, as Christians, we need, God gave us all the steps that we need to do to, to protect ourselves, not only with the diet, but also when we are in contact with other people. Leviticus, it gives you a list of every single thing that you can do. You know, cleanliness, washing your hands, maintaining a distance. But, who, but talking about isolation, who is the one who needs to be isolated? The yeah. is the sick person. The one who's sick. The one who's sick, not the healthy one. But the world has changed that to create division, to create who knows. Okay, what else on, on, um, what else? on strangers? The lesson of this week, it was very, point number 11, is how should we treat others? What did the Bible tells us as Christians? How we should how should we treat each other, the strangers, or our family? Like you want to be treated. Exactly. And what we talked about in the lesson today was you need, and also to love others, but you need to love yourself first in a Christian way to be able to love God. If you don't know how to love yourself, you cannot love God or others because you cannot give what you don't have. And the Satan, what have done is he have changed the meaning of respect. He have changed, well, respect have taken it out of the board completely. But he have removed the respect and he have changed the meaning of what is love. In today's day, we think, you know, when you love someone in the marriage, there's so many divorces in the world because the devil had made sure that the definition of love had been changed. And that's how we can be deceived by having a wrong definition of what is love. And one of the points that the devil have worked so hard, especially in our church, and now we're moving to the New Testament. Um, it has part of the old, but especially in the New Testament. And if you want to one of the books that are amazing on that topic is John, is about perfection. The Satan has changed the meaning of perfection. And I'm telling you because for me, it's the same as everybody else's. What is perfection? Choosing to follow God and doing it. No, no, the world's definition oh, the of world's perfection. Definition. What is the world's definition of perfection as in the Christian life? You will not do this. You will not do that. You will not do whatever. You show others what they want to see. As that is perfection. To be per- perfect. That's I the world. I go to church every, every mm-hmm. Saturday. And I sit in, in the very first seat. Oh, you're showing that I'm very, perfection. Very, like I'm closer to God. Change definition. Yeah. So the world perfection is the external very part. Yeah, the, the world definition of perfection is external, and yet it's impossible, human impossible to achieve. Also, happiness for Christians and happiness for the world is different. It's different. Okay. So let me write it down so I will not forget it. Happiness. happiness. So when it comes to perfection, the world has changed, and I grew up with that. And then I'm sure all of you have this image of perfection of a person doing the right thing all the time and doing the whole yes. thing. And that is not 
the biblical definition of perfection. And the devil had made sure to convince you because the devil always makes true and false. He tells it's impossible to be perfect. It is true. If you're used to the definition of the world, it's, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. But if you use the definition of the, of the Bible, what is the world is external, perfection is internal. What is the definition of perfection? Second, the Bible, and I know George Knight is a greatest theologian. He wrote a book. According to the Bible? According to the Bible. What is the definition of perfection? Um, There's three steps. According to the Bible. Abraham did it. Job Job did it. Job was perfect, but this is uh, something that I want to make a note of. Uh, He was... Perfect when he didn't have anything. He didn't have kids. He didn't have his animals, possessions, his house. But in God's eyes, he was perfect because he never went away from God, from the presence of God. Exactly. So the perfection in the Bible is the surrendering. is that self died and you follow God's will by faith. You obey. If you do that, even though if you're still a sinner, you're still a sinner, you're still drinking, you're still smoking, you're still doing all these bad things, but if you are surrendering to God every day and trying to follow, um, trying to follow God's, and not to follow, but obeying the best of your abilities, what God has told you to do, God will see you as perfect and he will cover the rest. And if you are willing to surrender yourself, God will help you on the sanctification process, which is a lifetime. So the devil have worked. It's amazing how, and I know because I've been, it have taken me years to change the way I was taught of perfection. And perfection of the world is completely different to the perfection of the Bible. And happiness. What is the true happiness, number 13? And then with this one, I'm going to finish. According to the Bible, what is the true happiness? Or what is the real happiness? To be in the presence of God. To be in the presence of God. The happiness, is the happiness a feeling or a decision? Well, in the Bible, we don't say we, we don't achieve happiness, we achieve joy. Okay. Which I feel like it's more in relationship with God. When you have joy, you have this peace mm-hmm. inside that it gives you comfort, and you know God is in control. You you're happy, and you reflect that you're a happy person. Okay. So happiness. Yeah. Okay. So the happiness in the Bible is you are happy because you have God, and it doesn't matter how the world is, right. you're still happy. But the world changes it to happiness is a feeling. It's not a choice. It's a feeling, how you feel, uh-huh. and it's all directed to the environment. You make me unhappy. You, don't, you are not making me happy. It's everything about me, myself, and I, and the world has changed from the internal to the external. The happiness in the world is made out of money, materials, yeah, sure uh, feelings, how you feel. Even the Bible says you don't trust your feelings, your heart. 
And the world said, and then the world, all the movies now are telling you, you need to trust your heart. That's completely opposite to what the Bible says. So we only covered like 13 things out of a lot. But I, I think um, I want to thank you for your help. And I want you, the purpose of this is just to bring some awareness of how easily we can get deceived, especially when we grow in a culture that we see things, that's the way it is. And sometimes we, we forget that the world is managed by the devil. Yeah. And anything that comes from the world, it will be a mixture of 99% true with 1% lie. And that's the lie that will hit you very, very hard. So it's very important to spend time reading the Bible, reading what God has. The Bible is, is a love letter of everything that we need to do, not, not to do, everything that we need to, to, to do of, of looking and surrendering and, and where the help comes from. Because in the end time, whatever, whatever our belief and our relationship is with God, will determine if you're going to survive the end time or you don't. If you are not perfect, based on the Bible definition of surrendering faith and obedience to God, you're not going to survive the end time. And God said that. And Lynch White said that too. And there's over 120 Bible texts stating that we have to be perfect. But the devil has changed the meaning of perfection. And then now it makes it impossible because we have the wrong definition, the wrong definition of it. And before we close, if there's anybody that would like to add anything else or make a comment. Yes. I was just thinking much like perfection and happiness, we could also say love has been distorted, being the foundation of God's law and the Ten Commandments and His character um, to, you know, a, a pure, selfless, know, principle that comes from God, and obviously in the world, our, our world is so confused about love, like, um, so confused, like, I mean, it's been demoted to a feeling, um, I have friends who have lost their families because they didn't feel love anymore, you know, and I have friends who almost lost their families who, thankfully, were saved from that by realizing that love was actually way more than a feeling. And then, and that God can take care of their lack if they're willing to act on principle. Um, but I think you know they all kind of go together. It's just you know, just as the world thinks that we have everything we need, and it's just like so such a lie. It sounds yeah. kind of good into our pride, but it's so lonely. It doesn't work, and we're falling apart. It doesn't matter how much you have, like oh. Your husband loves you so much, he gave you this BMW. But that's not love. No. That's not love. That's not love. No. So thank you for Jamie for what you said and it helped me to re um, make some corrections that I made a mistake. Happiness, it comes from God. And the world moved it to things. But love is a choice. It's not it's, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. You choose to love. And the world changed it to feelings and emotions. And if you, if you are looking at me or you bring me this, or you're doing all these things yeah. for me, myself, and I, you love me, I love you, but I will love you as long as you are nice to me. 
That is not love. That is not love. And love is unconditional and it's a choice. So thank you very much for your help. I hope that today has, um, this message has been, um, has been helpful to remember that the, deceif- the deceiveness doesn't come only on doctrine, but it also comes in the lifestyle and our beliefs. And I pray that uh, we spend more time reading, we spend more time building that relationship with Christ, which is the giver of everything. And um, he will let us know and help us and not only to maintain that perfection that he wants us, which is the surrendering every day to him and his love by faith, but then he will take care of the sanctification. We don't have to do anything on sanctification. He will do everything for us. The only thing that we need to do is to surrender by faith and obey. And um, with that, I will close. In, I will close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your blessings. Thank you, O Lord, for giving us one more day of life. And we pray that we can honor you in everything that we do, in everything that we say and hear and see, in everything that we eat. Amen. Closing song.